Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. They went so big, commanders decided to fire their defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio. He is out. It's coming from Adam Schefter. Presumably Ron Rivera now going to be calling the defensive plays for Washington going forward. It's Greeny, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I'm Gabe Knight, so along with Jeff Turn as we fill in for Greeny. And Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance. To help us break down from the Cowboys' side of things, just how impressive they looked yesterday. Ed Werder, ESPN NFL reporter, jumps on with us here on Greeny. And Ed, we certainly appreciate the time. Is this the best football that Dak Prescott has played? Uh, I mean, he's had some, you know, seasons. Where he, he won, what, they won 13 games his rookie year, but he wasn't the prominent offensive player. Those teams uh, were built around the offensive line and Ezekiel Elliott, but they did go 13-3. and three. In terms of uh, throwing the football and leading the offense, I would say it's it's hard to say this isn't the best Dak Prescott we've seen. I mean, he has five consecutive games with multiple touchdown passes. That's the longest active streak in the NFL, and it matches the second longest streak of his career. And if you just look at these last six games, 18 touchdown passes, two interceptions, four 300-yard games. The Cowboys have scored 40 points or more in 13 of Prescott's last 25 home starts. Um, but, yeah, it seems like, you know, after they lost that game, and, and, and it was the worst loss of Dak's career by 32 points in San Francisco, you know, during the bye week, they seem to, he and Mike McCarthy really seem to have collaborated and figured out how they wanted to play on offense. And, you know, Dak's gotten more people involved. CeeDee Lamb's become very prominent. Brandon Cooks has been the leading receiver uh, the last two weeks and gotten him uh, finally acclimated to the offense. They still don't run the ball well, but yeah, I'd say this is as good a streak as we've ever seen from Dak Prescott in, in five or six games. And and I think if you look at the numbers, the numbers tell you it's the best five or six game span in, in the history of Cowboy quarterbacks. And how would you describe the influence of Mike McCarthy calling plays and how different it has been for that offense versus Kellen Moore from a year ago? Well, you know, the, the first thing that McCarthy um, emphasized was that he wanted to be able to protect the, the football, that his goal was for the first time since 2019 to have Dak Prescott healthy for every game that they played. And if you look at what they've done, Dak's thrown 111 consecutive passes without being sacked. Uh, that's the longest streak of his career. So they've created some now stability on the offensive line, Tyron Smith coming back on as a left uh, offensive tackle. They struggled, obviously. It was well-documented in the red zone early in the season. They were one of the worst teams in football. Um, that has been turned upside down. They're now one of the most effective teams in the red zone. Um, you know, McCarthy's all about playing the game and, and building the team around his quarterbacks. He did that for Brett with Brett Favre. He did it with Aaron Rodgers. He's had great fortune in being uh, around really great quarterbacks throughout his coaching career, beginning with Joe Montana. Um, but yeah, he's, and I, and I think Dak, after that loss, I mentioned in San Francisco, the 32 point loss, the worst of his career, the worst loss Mike McCarthy suffered, uh, as a Cowboys head coach and a team that they really wanted to measure themselves against because they'd eliminate, been eliminated in the playoffs the last two years by the 49ers. Um, you know, it was after that game that Prescott looked at himself and said, what, what can I add? You know, what can I bring that I haven't so far? And he decided 
that he needed to move outside the pocket, use his mobility to extend plays, use his mobility to score touchdowns and, and extend drives with first downs. And I think that's become a much bigger factor in their offense right now, and it's made them much harder to defend. Dak's always been, I think, at his best when he's a, you know, a dual threat quarterback like he was early in his career. But, you know, now he's 30. He had, you know, the season ending leg injury in 2020 that changed the equation for him. But I kind of think he's back to playing uh, with the same mindset, uh, sort of a not I don't want to say reckless, but he's balancing the risk and the reward very well. He's protecting himself, but he's also using his mobility, which is a great threat in this offense. Talking with Ed Werder, ESPN NFL reporter, after the Cowboys win over the Washington Commanders yesterday on Thanksgiving. It's Greeny, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. I'm Gabe Nacho, along with Jeff Turn. And we were just talking on the show here, Ed, about you know NFL coaches on the hot seat. Mike McCarthy's name didn't come up. But given the pressure <laughs> and given Could what still. the Cowboys are, yeah, does he still have to make a deep playoff run? Does he have to take this team to their first NFC championship game since 1995? Are there still kind of those qualifiers just hanging out there potentially for McCarthy? Well, you know, I, he's in the fourth year of a five-year contract. And so I think naturally his contract status is, was going to, is going to be addressed regardless because almost nobody goes into an NFL season with a coach on the last year of his deal. Although Jerry did it once or twice uh, with Jason Garrett, because he thought it would be a strong motivating factor. I don't see him doing that here. I think Jerry recognizes and appreciates that McCarthy has um, really built uh, an offensive or or a team philosophy, a foundation system of winning. One of his first priorities was, to create a real home field advantage, you know, and they've had that. They've won an NFL, uh, the longest winning streak in the NFL at home is the Cowboys winning 13 consecutive games. McCarthy did the same thing when he was in Green Bay, created a home field advantage. He spoke about the importance of winning your home games just yesterday, and the Cowboys have won them decisively. And I think that's the other trademark that McCarthy has established that Jason Garrett never could. The Cowboys play, don't play down to the level of their competition. You can criticize them all, the, all you want. All eight of their wins have come against you know, bad teams, teams with losing records, and that's about to change. Um, but he does, all you can do is play your schedule, and when you play an inferior team, beat them badly. And the Cowboys have done that every time with the exception of week three when they lost to the Cardinals. Um, so I think he's accomplished a lot of things that Jerry will appreciate, but I don't know how the season is going to end. Uh, if it ends in the you know in in a wild card game because they didn't win the division, if it ends uh, against the 49ers again in a way that you know looks really bad on the scoreboard and indicates they just aren't making the kind of progress necessary to contend legitimately for a Super Bowl, then then I think all possibilities are open. But I find it awfully hard to believe that Jerry Jones is going to fire Mike McCarthy after consecutive 12-win seasons, plus whatever they do this year. They're at 8-3 already. Um, but but the, the most challenging part of their schedule is coming, and it's a part of the schedule that's going to give us a sense of their real legitimacy. And more than that, in a very practical way, it's going to determine if they are going to be any threat to unseat the Eagles and win the division and guarantee themselves some home games, which is what they really need if you look at how well they played at home. 
And I just want to get one more in with regards to sort of looking towards the future with the way that the rest of the season goes. When we do get to the postseason, and presumably the Cowboys are there and, and they have to come up with a recipe for success, are they going to have to rely more on this explosive offense, the playmaking ability of that defense, or is a balanced attack the only way that, that the Cowboys can reach the ceiling that they want to? Well, I, I think, you know, McCarthy has uh, made an emphasis, a point of emphasis about playing complimentary football, as most coaches do. Um, and, and to his credit, as a, you know, a guy who came to Dallas after being a play caller and winning a Super Bowl um, in Green Bay in 13 years, his teams were built around offense. You know, he, he wisely saw what they had on defense with Dan Quinn. Uh, and leading the league in takeaways uh, the last two years, and leading the league now in defensive touchdowns uh, yet again. You know, I think he recognizes the value of that and tries to play to that. At the same time, he now finally has a quarterback playing the best football of his career, uh, a very explosive offensive team. To me, that's what they really lacked when they went in the playoffs last year uh, at San Francisco. They They went into the game with two real playmakers, that you have to worry about on the other side of the ball. And that was CeeDee Lamb and Tony Pollard. And they lost Pollard halfway through the game to that gruesome, you know, fractured leg. They had one guy, and the 49ers easily took away the one threat. So he went into this season. He's created a role for Cavante Turpin, uh, you know, who was pretty much limited to being a return guy last year, the best in the league at it. But now he's got a real role on offense. You saw it again yesterday. Uh, They went out in the offseason and brought in Brandon Cooks, who they'd pursued at the trade deadline last year. And he's been a perfect fit and gives them a vertical presence uh, on offense that they haven't had. Uh, so I, that's the whole thing to me is like they've wasted great opportunities because the defense was so unique in turning the ball over, creating short fields, scoring themselves. Um, and then you don't go take advantage of that in the playoffs. And now he has that part of it, and he seems to have a great offense that's capable of scoring. But we need to see this team like I said, against better competition. You know, they, they've played both of the, two of their losses have come against the only two winning teams they've played, the Eagles and the 49ers. The, their last next five games are against opponents who are combined 36 and 16, and it conclu- includes division leading Philadelphia, Miami, and Detroit, plus Seattle and Buffalo. Fortunately for the Cowboys, that streak of five games starts with two games at home next Thursday night against Seattle and then against Philadelphia, which has the best record in football. But I think the Cowboys, you know, because they're division rivals, they've had success against Philadelphia. I don't think they're intimidated by the Eagles and would be fine matching up with them in the playoffs. It's the 49ers. The 49ers are the team they can't figure out how to play and how to beat. Talking with Ed Warder, ESPN NFL reporter here on Greeny. ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Gabe Nigel, Jeff Turn filling in. For Greeny today, and over your career, Ed, I'm sure you've seen some pretty cool things that have happened in the NFL. Where does Deron Bland setting the pick six record with five yesterday? He returned his fifth interception for a touchdown yesterday. Where does that rank? Yeah, you know, it's really remar- remarkable. And, and I've been here a long time and uh, as, a, as a journalist, and I've covered, you know, the Cowboys, a lo- you know, a lot. Um, I, I was here when they won their three Super Bowls in four years, so I saw all those great teams. I, I've been around, you know, Brett Favre and his record-setting career. Um, but, yeah, Deron Bland uh, is an amazing story, and I think the part that's too often overlooked is that, you know, the Cowboys seemed at a crisis point earlier this year when they lost Trayvon Diggs to a season-ending torn ACL in practice. 
seemed like they lost an irreplaceable member of Dan Quinn's defense that creates all these takeaways and record numbers. And fortunately for them, they had depth at the position. Bland moved from the slot corner, where as a rookie last year, he led led the Cowboys in interceptions. Um, and he moved out to the boundary, and he's become a star himself. You know, he's the first non-offensive player to score five touchdowns in a season since J.J. Watt in 2014. In 2014, J.J. Watt won the second of his three NFL Defensive Player of the Year awards. And, and we're talking about a guy who had one scholarship offer coming out of high school from Sacramento State. Uh, he played three years there. He transferred to Fresno State. He's a fifth-round pick of the Cowboys, the 22nd cornerback drafted that year, had never returned an interception for a touchdown in college, and now holds the NFL record for the most pick six in a single season with five. The Cowboys have had some incredible defensive players in their history, and none of them finished their career with as many pick sixes as, as uh, Deron Bland has right now. Ed, we certainly appreciate the time. Hope you have a uh, good rest of your weekend, my friend. Thanks, and happy holidays to both of you. Ed Order, ESPN NFL reporter, joining us to help us break down Cowboys commanders from yesterday. Greeny, brought to you by Real Christmas Trees. Get real and keep it real this holiday season by buying Real Christmas Trees at Lowe's or wherever Real Christmas Trees are sold. For more info, visit GetRealKeepItReal.com. With that bland touchdown return yesterday, Jeff, I mean, first of all, I thought the call by Jim Nance was fantastic. Epic, man. Spectacular. It was just, it it, it is just so hard to believe that here we are on Thanksgiving. Like, so much of the NFL season is still left, and here he has five interceptions returned for a touchdown. It's an unbelievable story. Yeah, it's, it's, it's part luck because you have to find yourself in a position to where after you get the ball, everything in front of you sort of opens up to where you can take it back. A lot of it is putting yourself in a great position to make those plays, and then you ultimately have to to have a, a quarterback on the other side that's a little bit risky. You know, Sam Howell throws it up a little bit. You, you know, yep. he's, he's made some plays on some guys that are risk takers, and he's taking advantage of it. So, give him all the credit in the world. I found myself thinking that there would have, at some point, I thought that you would have had a guy that had six or seven. So five is the record was maybe a little surprising to me. Like, you know, as great as Dion was and some of these other, you know, they, they would never throw to Dion. So if correct. Like right. That's the difference. Year, you know, right. that, you know, but they didn't throw at the ball. Hawks. Yeah. That is man. So many touchdowns for a defensive player to score five. He's got seven picks. He's and even yesterday he had to get through a couple of uh, tackles there to score that one. So it wasn't like it was just clear sailing all the way to the end zone, man. He had to make a play. There at the end, he, he had two defenders actually run into themselves as they tried to tackle him <laughs> to get that touchdown. So, yeah, you know, that that is going to be one of those things. Hopefully he gets one or two more and adds to that record because it's been a fun thing to follow this year for sure. Yeah, it could certainly put it out of reach for future defensive backs trying to uh, break that record. Tune in for college football action tomorrow. LSU hosts Texas A&M, presented by Dr. Pepper. Coverage begins at 11.30 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Coming up next... Can the Jets figure out a way to win today with Tim 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 Boyle? Is this this is right? This okay, all right. I guess they're gonna find a way to win with Tim Boyle. We're gonna talk about it next. Here on Green, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Tomorrow on ESPN Radio. In a rivalry that dates back to 1899, Texas A&M heads to Death Valley to face Heisman candidate Jaden Daniels and the LSU Tigers. Coverage begins tomorrow morning at 1130 Eastern with kickoff at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. Presented by Dr. Pepper. 
Greeny, the podcast. A quarterback change for the Jets. Tim Boyle will start over Zach Wilson. He's done everything that we've asked. You know, like I said, his preparation is amazing and understanding is amazing. And now we get a chance to go out there and test it and see how he responds. I think my, my priority this week is going to be getting the ball out on time. I'm not trying to take sacks. So I think just getting the ball in our playmakers' hands and let them have fun with it and, you know, just keeping us on pace. You know, I want to get down in the red zone and score some points. I think that's going to be an important focus for us this week is just getting down there and putting points on the board. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Jets Dolphins. 3 p.m. Eastern today, the first ever Black Friday NFL game. And I'm sure the fine folks over at Amazon were thinking, oh, man, here we go. Big time AFC East matchup on Black Friday, and then Aaron Rodgers got hurt. So now we get Tim Boyle starting for the Jets today against the Miami Dolphins. And this is Greeny on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I'm Gabe Nigel, along with Jeff Turner as we fill in for Greeny today. Still looking for amazing gifts? At Total Wine & More, you'll find gifts for everyone on your list. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Zach Wilson, we knew it was going to be an uphill climb. We saw what this team was last year with Zach Wilson. There was a reason they decided that they needed to go out and get Aaron Rodgers because they had a great defense, a couple of young playmakers offensively. They just needed that quarterback piece to be a player in the AFC. Obviously, that's crumbled, Jeff, after four plays into the year where Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles. And, and Rodgers is working feverishly and telling everybody that he's working his way back. Maybe he's going to be practicing by December 2nd. Who knows if that actually comes to fruition. But he wants the Jets to be in contention in order for him to come back. Well, the Jets decided in order to stay in contention, they needed to bench Zach Wilson and throw, some, and throw someone in there as a starter who in his college and NFL career has thrown more interceptions than touchdowns, and that is Tim Boyle. Is this the right move for the Jets? Well, I, I think that something had to change, although personally 
I don't know that you you upgrade with Tim Boyle. I don't know that you upgrade with Trevor Simeon versus Zach Wilson. Um, I, I, I feel like the whole situation outside Aaron Rodgers was somewhat poorly constructed because you're talking about a, a quarterback. Remember last year, you know this, that that he was dealing with the, the, the hand injury, the thumb injury, whatever it was. Like He didn't recover as quickly as I think that they would have liked him to. And so, you know, you, you had a dinged-up older quarterback a year ago in Green Bay, and it wasn't something that was significant, but still – you know, those things come with, with age a little bit more than they do when you're younger. So I felt like maybe they could have had a better backup plan there. By the way, side note, I do a Big Ten podcast, and this week we had Dr. Scott Strasberger on, who's an orthopedic surgeon in Lincoln, uh, Nebraska. And I asked him uh, about the Aaron Rodgers situation. And I said, sure. is it realistic that in two weeks we're going to see Aaron Rodgers playing? And he said a couple of things. He said, number one, that – the, the procedure that they did with Rodgers where they sort of bridged the Achilles and because of how low the, the Achilles tear was, that Aaron Rodgers saying all this stuff is not unrealistic. And secondly, he said they used to immobilize the Achilles. Like you were in a cast all the way up to like your, your groin for probably, you know, 10 to, to 16 weeks. And oh, wow. they, they figured out that by not immobilizing it and actually keeping it mobile and allowing you to work, it allows you to recover faster. So I, without having the medical records, he says he can't say specifically, but he said, you know, people think that Rodgers is making this up or that he's, he's, he's sort of, um, you know, it's, 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 it's pie in the sky. This is from someone that does this for a living in sports medicine, and he said it's not. So I, I think that part of it coincides with them trying to stay in it, right? Like I think – that it's realistic we could see Rodgers at some point in December if they are in the playoff mix. And if I'm them, I don't put him in. I go trade for Devontae Adams in the offseason. I get a better backup to Rodgers next year. I focus on 2024. But that's not how GMs, that's not how football players, you know, react to adversity. So, yeah, I just think that there, there had to be something done to maybe even just energize the locker room more so than make the position that significantly better by going with Tim Boyle. You mentioned Aaron Rodgers. While he has been missing games, he does not miss his weekly appearance Hell on no. Pat McAfee's show. He gets paid, remember? He gets paid <laughs> he does, for that. He does get paid for that. So he's going to show up, and he had thoughts on the benching of Zach Wilson this week on the McAfee show. We need a spark, and obviously this was uh, the decision that was made. I feel for Zach. I love Zach. You know, Zach's such a great kid, and I do think he still has a bright future in the league. This has been a tough go for all of us uh, a lot of times in these situations. There's certain guys that got a scapegoat, and uh, I think there's enough blame to go around a number of different positions. You know, if you have ten guys doing it right on a play and one guy not, um, it's hard to hard to be efficient. So, kind of saying Zach Wilson's scapegoat, and it had to be a little bit tough for Aaron Rodgers because he's close with Tim Boyle, was his backup in Green Bay for a handful of years before he's bounced around into places like Detroit and Chicago before ending up in New York. And you just mentioned him talk about how close he's gotten with Zach Wilson. So. Wilson is getting scapegoated because the the problem is with Tim Boyle and and as great of a story as Boyle is for sticking around the league as long as he is for a player who threw 12 touchdowns and 26 interceptions in his four college seasons between UConn and Eastern Kentucky. He's got three touchdowns and nine picks in his NFL career. Again, a great story you've hung around in the league, but I don't expect Tim Boyle to come in and be able to lead the Jets to a victory over the Dolphins today. No, I don't either. And I also think, too, you know, it's not just individuals. It's collectively that offense will play bad one game. And then last week you have a coordinator inserted in for the guy that gets fired in Ken Dorsey 
and Joe Brady looks like he's the greatest offensive coordinator in the history of, of football after the Bills had, had struggled at times offensively over the last handful of weeks. And that Jets defense was supposed to be the thing that, that continued to keep them in games, and they looked bad. They looked at moments like they were lost out there. Some of the routes that were being run by the Bills wide receivers had those guys turned around. And so I think Rodgers is right that there's a lot of blame to go around. I think that there's some blame that can go to Robert Sala. I think there's some blame that can go to their GM for not having a better backup. I think that there's a lot of blame that can go to Zach Wilson, but I think there's a lot of blame that can go to that defense for the way they played last week. So, yeah, man, I, I think – I don't think this turns into the Dolphins doing what they did to the Broncos, but I think this thing could get pretty ugly today. Yeah, the, the Jets' defense is still really good. I know what happened last week, and that still happens because when you have to rely on one side of the football as much as the Jets have had to rely on that defense, i got to imagine that gets exhausting. That gets tiring because in order for you to even have a chance, just a chance to win a football game, as a defense, it almost feels like you have to be perfect. And i got to imagine that's exhausting, despite all the playmakers they have on that side of the football for the Jets. And that's going to be even tougher today because the Dolphins are the fastest team in the league. They put pressure on you like no other team does because of that speed with right. Waddle, with Tyree Kill. And sometimes that pressure just gets to you, even when you're as good as the Jets' defense has been over the last season and a half. Yeah, and I think that in itself, if there was one thing that I would say moving forward, that will not be as big a problem as the others would be that defense. And so that is where Rodgers has confidence that maybe they can win some games for them and he can be in the mix come December. I think that also with Tim Boyle allows you to, you know, maybe be a little bit more aggressive than you've been with Zach Wilson in hopes that if you do put your defense in some inopportune situations, they can step up and figure out ways to help you win. But, man, I I was looking forward to seeing – you know, Zach Wilson be better than he had been. It was a guy that I was pulling for to be better than he had been in years past, and it just didn't materialize this year. I never thought, like, I, I didn't pick the Jets to make the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers. I, I, I thought that that division was going to have two teams. I thought it was going to be the Bills and the Dolphins. I thought that you were going to get two teams from the AFC West. I thought that you were going to get two teams from the AFC North, and you were going to get one team from the AFC South, and that was your seven teams. I never thought you were going to get three from that division, and I didn't think the Dolphins or the Bills would fall back enough, so I'm not surprised that they're in this position. Even with Rodgers being out, I didn't feel like the Jets were there, and I I didn't feel like that because I felt like the Bills and the Dolphins were so much better, and the Dolphins get a crack at those Jets today. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. To help us continue to talk about the game coming up later this afternoon in the NFL. First ever Black Friday game, Jets, Dolphins. We welcome in Amber Wilson. She's the co-host of Amber and Ian weekdays from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern here on ESPN Radio. Also our resident Dolphins homer. So we'll get to the Dolphins here in just a little bit, Amber, because we were just talking about the Jets' decision to go with the laser show, Tim Boyle over Zach Wilson. We understand you're not a big fan of that decision. So somehow, even though you're a Dolphins homer, you are a Zach Wilson supporter. (laughs) Uh, First of all, Gabe, Jeff, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for holding the fort down there for us at ESPN Radio. We appreciate it. Uh, yeah, it's like I have this weird thing, uh, and it's not just because we share the same last name and kind of look alike. We are not related, me and Zach Wilson, despite popular opinion. But I just feel like if you take a quarterback with the second pick, 
and you know he's not NFL ready, then you got to have you have to be patient with him and you have to give him an opportunity to develop. And I feel like the way that Robert Sala has handed th- handled things with Zach Wilson over the last couple of years has been atrocious. You talked about toggling him back and forth and back and forth with Mike White last season. Like, what was that? The heck was the point of all of that? They weren't going to a Super Bowl anyways last season. Why not rock with Zach Wilson all season? And then you feel confident by the end of that season, he's definitely not it if that's the decision. And you can try to move forward and move on from that. Instead, they toggled him back and forth, Mike White. They let Mike White go. They remain with Zach Wilson for the backup for a 39 or 38 year old, almost 39 year old quarterback behind a bad broken O-line and with a high probability of, of him getting injured. And, and now you're in a situation where Zach Wilson's the starter and yet we're going to move to Tim Boyle because why like Tim Boyle, who has what three touchdowns and 11 interceptions. It feels a lot whoa, like whoa. the Zach it's Wilson, only, Mike White thing. Like we're going back and forth. For no interceptions. Reason. Let's not get it's only Oh nine my bad. 11. Amber. You know what? 11 was college. <laughs> I stand corrected. I think that was his resume at UConn. <laughs> it, was, it was bad. It, yeah. The rest, the college resume is not much better than the pro resume. Amber. It's really not anywhere he went, by the way. I, I, don't, I mean, I, if you pull the numbers, I, I, I don't know how he's in the NFL. <laughs> but he's in the NFL. And now he's playing a division rival in the Miami Dolphins, and he is going to be expected to give this offense some sort of spark. And I know there's this idea that, that they're going to lose the locker room if they don't make this change. That's the same crud I heard last season with the Mike White thing. And it, isn't that kind of on coaching guys where – like, isn't it sort of the coaching staff job to make sure that you're not losing the locker room while you're giving your incredibly high draft pick an opportunity to develop? I mean, that feels like a coaching problem, frankly. Yeah, and I wanted to, to piggyback off that because earlier we were talking about coaches on the hot seat, the Ron Rivera situation, Brandon Staley. But you mentioned a season ago the way that they handled the quarterback spot with White and with Wilson. This year, there's been some questionable decisions on how they've handled Zach Wilson and the locker room as well. Do you feel that Robert Sala at all is on the hot seat right now? I don't think he is because I think you get a pass when your future Hall of Fame quarterback goes down. I mean, it really, no team in the NFL could could survive that. And so expecting the Jets to be able to do that, I, I think that gives him a huge pass. But I think next year we have to have that conversation, right? Because defensively, there's no questions about the New York Jets. But it's offensively, it's the way things have been handled. And, and it's guys, I'm not arguing Zach Wilson's good, okay? That's an impossible <laughs> argument to make. And I don't know if Zach Wilson is ever going to be good in the NFL. That's never been my argument. My argument is how can you expect this kid to get good under these circumstances? How can you expect him to have any semblance of confidence? Zach Wilson, I mean, thank goodness this kid is so cocky, right? And that he's got the swag and all that stuff. Because otherwise... This thing would break anybody the way that they've handled things. It would just be so hard to have any sort of confidence in yourself. And going to Tim Boyle is certainly not going to help that. So at this point, they need to just ride with Tim Boyle the rest of the season. You got to just cut Zach Wilson loose, let him go somewhere else and try to figure out an NFL career after that. He's not going to be the answer next year, even with Aaron Rodgers coming back. You've got to do things differently next year and have a more viable backup next year when a 39 40 year old quarterbacks going to be behind an O-line that has now been broken for years and years and years. And I think that the O-line, the construction of it, 
You know, Vera Tucker, I think, played seven games last season. Becton's been injured his entire NFL career. Dwayne Brown is, what, 38, 39 years old, whatever it is. So I think you could easily look at that O-line. And even though the names on paper are good, you could see the potential problems there. I think Sala and the coaching staff deserve some criticism for that as well. They've got to fix that before Aaron Rodgers is behind it next season. This is Greeny, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I'm Gabe Notch, along with Jeff Turn, filling in for Greeny today. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Talking with Amber Wilson, co-host of Amber and Ian. She's helping us break down the Jets-Dolphins today, and she's the resident Dolphins homer. So, Amber, I have to ask you this question. Why can't the Dolphins beat good teams? Did James Steele write that question for you? Yes, he Is did. He did. Throw yeah. him under the bus. Yeah. No, I would, yeah, ne- I would never do that. I would never do that. Familiar with his work, uh, huh? He would. <laughs> Incredibly familiar with uh, his work, yes. Uh, so not surprising there. I'm going to blame him and not you guys for that ridiculous question. They only are responsible for who's on their schedule, and I don't understand this narrative of their shame in losing to the best teams in the NFL. It feels like to me if you're going to be shamed, it should be for stumbling against some of the worst teams or the broken teams or the teams in chaos in the NFL. Like nobody has a problem with the Eagles losing to the Jets, by the way, but somehow everybody has a problem with the Dolphins losing to the Chiefs. It seems ridiculous to me. They take care of business against the teams that they should take care of business. Yes, they have not beat the best teams thus far. You don't actually have to do that on their schedule until the postseason. Everyone tells me they've got to beat teams with winning records. Well, why? Why do they have to? If you look at the schedule, they don't actually have to. They're going to make a postseason anyways. Right now, they're you know looking like they're going to win the division anyways. And you have to figure out a way to beat those teams in the postseason. Fine, but we ain't there yet, guys. What happens today? Give us your give us your prediction for the game tonight. Uh, what I hope happens today is that Vic Fangio's defense makes easy work against Tim Boyle. I think that's really going to be the key because nobody's had questions about this Dolphins offense this entire season. I mean, statistically, it's the best offense, second best offense in basically every category in the NFL. It's that Dolphins defense that's taken some time here to get cracking, and that's to be expected under Vic Fangio's system. I, that's above my pay grade, guys, but I know that the way that he implements things, the complex schemes of his defense, however it works, it takes a minute for guys to sort of really settle in and understand what Fangio is trying to accomplish. And it feels like these last few weeks that they've really started to settle in on that side of the ball. So I think that we'll see a really good defense today, not just a really good offense. I, I think I, hopefully, hoping it's going to be really ugly against the Jets. Obviously, it's on their field. You saw it again with the Eagles. Like They are capable of, of taking one in MetLife, even against excellent teams. But I do think that the Dolphins make easy work of uh, Tim Boyle. I feel like it should be a big day for the Jalen Ramseys of the world. Talking with Amber Wilson, host of Amber and Ian here on ESPN Radio, ESPN App Series XM at Channel 80. Gabe Nutchell, Jeff Turn filling in for uh, for Greeny today. And quickly before we go, because I do feel like fans always see their team's flaws more than other people do who just kind of peek in from a national window. And then, so as a Dolphins fan, what do you think is the biggest flaw of this team that could potentially hold them back from making a deep run in the AFC, which is incredibly stacked? It's incredibly stacked. I mean, at some point, they are going to have to play up to their competition, right? And they are going to have to beat the best team. So it's fine. We can say that's a flaw, even though that's not one that really, really concerns me until we get to a postseason. And and I think that they'll get there. The flaw for me has been what I just said. that There was a while. I mean, the first half of the season, I'm like, this is Vic Fangio. We spent 
tons of money. Credit to Stephen Ross. He doesn't normally do that sort of thing. We spent all this money on a coordinator, and it didn't seem like it was paying off. And we had some great defenses under Brian Flores under the last regime. So that's been hard for Mike McDaniel to figure out. Obviously, McDaniel, an offensive genius, not defensively, which is why he brings in Fangio, somebody he feels like really has the expertise. And finally, I feel like we're starting to figure out things on that side of the ball. The talent's always been there on the roster defensively. It just hasn't come together. So that has been the weakness. But I feel like that weakness is turning around offensively. I don't. The only weakness that I see on offense is is health. And if everyone can stay healthy, and certainly that's hard to do in the National Football League. If everyone can stay healthy, and, and credit to Tua, he's. He's been a lot better at that this season. He gets the ball out faster than anyone else in the NFL. That absolutely helps on the pressure on him and on the hits he takes. But if they can stay healthy, I really genuinely, I don't, it's not the homer in me. I just don't really see where the weakness is. Yeah, I think that's fair, especially with all that speed that the Dolphins possess. Amber, we appreciate the time. Thanks for hopping on. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving, guys. Thanks for having me. Amber Wilson, again, host of Amber and Ian. Catch it weeknights, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern time here on ESPN Radio. Coming up next, did Dak put himself in the driver's seat for the MVP with his performance on Thanksgiving? We'll dive into that debate coming up next. But first, Jeff has this from Farm Fresh Christmas Trees. Get real and keep it real this holiday season by buying real Christmas trees. Did you know that buying real Christmas trees helps save the American Christmas tree farming industry? For every 10 Christmas trees planted, an acre of land is saved, and so are American farmers' jobs. Plus, buying real Christmas trees helps keep the real holiday memories alive while helping our environment. Buy real Christmas trees this holiday season at Lowe's or wherever Christmas trees are sold. Get more information online at GetRealKeepItReal.com. GEICO's mobile app has 24-7 claim service and on-the-go policy info. It's easy to GEICO. Greeny, the podcast. It's appropriate, right? We can start playing Christmas music now. It's the day after Thanksgiving. I feel like this is appropriate to be, to be playing this here on Greeny, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I'm Gabe Knights, along with Jeff Turn. We're filling in for Greeny today. And Greeny's presented by Progressive Insurance. Where, where do you stand? Because we, where our offices are in Milwaukee, the show I do, typically 94.5 ESPN in Milwaukee, we are in a, it, it's called the, the Third Market um, the third market Street Hall, and, and the Third Street Market Hall, excuse me, and they've been playing Christmas music, I think, ever since we turned the calendar over to November, but now that we're after Thanksgiving, I think this is now the window where Christmas music is okay. Where do you stand, Jeff? Yeah, man, I mean, I'm, I, I used to be a hater. Uh, on Christmas music being played before Thanksgiving. And then I started having kids. And, well, my wife did, not me. But um, I, I started realizing how important it was, <laughs> how important it was to You're have the holiday the spirit. Process. Yeah, I just want to make sure everybody understood that nothing new was happening in the world uh, since they woke up from Thanksgiving yesterday. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I feel like, um, you know, do you uh, have fun with it? I'll tell you this. Like, we, we normally would wait till the weekend after Thanksgiving to put the Christmas tree up. Monday, we put the Christmas tree up with the lights. Tuesday, we put up the ornaments, had the Christmas lights on the house as of last weekend. So we were, we were like so jumping the a, shark. You have a fake tree, though, right? Because that's hard to pull off with a real Christmas tree. Keeping so that the, thing green I absolutely, and I absolutely love real Christmas trees, man. Yeah. But allergies are the reason mm. I can't have a real Christmas tree in my house. My, my allergies go bonkers. Like when I was real young, 
we had one and then we realized oh my god man there's a reason why i'm like having these allergy attacks around christmas because i got a real christmas tree and so we had to go to fake but yeah man that, that's the only way to do it now is is if you get it up this early is to have a fake one but um i wish i did and i think one of my sons you have a actually pine, has like this... candle just like kind of light a pine candle around it at least you yeah that's what i was saying. a little bit one of my know? one of my one of my sons just started asking about the real christmas trees you know because we've only had the fake ones and i'm like man dad would be needing 12 boxes of kleenexes just to get through the holiday season by blowing my nose so we just gotta we gotta go with the fake one but yeah no we got it up man we're ready to go you can tune in college football action tomorrow night florida hosts florida states presented by dr pepper coverage begins at 6 30 p.m eastern on espn radio and the espn app over in the nfl dak prescott tremendous game yesterday four more touchdown passes he is second in the league in passer rating, leads the league in TD passes. Is he the front runner for the MVP? We asked Ed Werder, who joined us earlier today here on Greeny, and here's what the ESPN NFL reporter had to say about Dak playing the best football of his career. They won 13 games his rookie year, but he wasn't the prominent offensive player. Those teams were built around the offensive line and Ezekiel Elliott, but they did go 13-3. and three. In terms of throwing the football and leading the offense, I would say it's, it's hard to say this isn't the best Dak Prescott we've seen. I mean, he has five consecutive games with multiple touchdown passes. That's the longest active streak in the NFL, and it matches the second longest streak of his career. And if you just look at these last six games, 18 touchdown passes, two interceptions, four 300-yard games. The Cowboys have scored 40 points or more in 13 of Prescott's last 25 home starts. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. As we sit here, day after Thanksgiving, still plenty of football left, but who's the front runner in your mind, Jeff, to be the league MVP? So according to ESPN Bet, and I think I have this right, uh, Jalen Hurts is the favorite right now, slightly above uh, Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, you're, you're going to have names like Lamar Jackson and Tyree Kill in there as well. But we've just seen it go to the quarterback on on one of the best teams almost every single year. And there's an exception to that every once in a while. But there's like a longstanding stat, too, that Joe Fornbos said like a few weeks ago that it's it's always a quarterback and it's a quarterback that has a one or a two seed in either the, the NFC or the AFC. So, man, I... I, I want to lean towards Patrick Mahomes because I just feel like the Chiefs are going to be the one seed when it's all said and done in the AFC. But I feel like sometimes there becomes that fatigue, just like with LeBron, just like with Jordan, with Kobe, whoever, where they don't go with the same guy. And I, I, I would probably lean Jalen Hurts if it wasn't going to end up being Patrick Mahomes. But the problem is, like, I, I, you go up and down, you know. So, so let's let's just say that argument stays true this year. The top two seeds. In the AFC are the Ravens and Chiefs, so yep. that would, you know, Patrick Mahomes certainly would be there, but the Mahomes numbers just aren't there, and this offense has struggled, like, to the point where they're not scoring points in the second half, which would cost him and gave them their third loss of the season last Sunday, and Lamar's been good, hasn't been MVP-level good, but he's been playing really good football, and then in the NFC, it's the Eagles and the 49ers, and for the 49ers, 
my MVP for them would not be Brock Purdy. I think Purdy's been pretty good, but it's Christian McCaffrey. But the problem, as you said, for a running back to win this award, the last one to do it was Adrian Peterson when he went over 2,000 yards. Christian McCaffrey's not getting over 2,000 yards, and as impressive as he's been, it feels like somebody other than a quarterback has to do something historically significant in order for them to win the award. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it has to be so far. But the, the Tyreek Hill stuff, the numbers at the end, may be historic, and that's where you could lean towards maybe Tyreek Hill, Dolphins, et cetera, having sort of this historic stretch down or historic run down the stretch to where his numbers are elevated to a point that we haven't seen before. But it just feels like, once again, we'll probably be crowning an MVP that plays quarterback. Yeah, that's just the way it goes in the NFL. Although maybe Dak can be a part of that conversation if they get through this next tough part of their schedule with a pretty good record. Coming up next, what do we learn from the NFC's top teams yesterday? We discuss that next right here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.